Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. I've got a good word for you. You know, we started a series a few weeks back. This is actually our fourth week on the series of Superhuman. And we've been talking about faith and how to believe God for things and and the amazing thing that God does that he puts his super on your natural. How many of you would like God's super on your natural? He could help you in some things with your finances, with your marriage, with your emotions, with your attitude. And I could go on and on down the list. Man, when we have God involved in our life, man, his super makes our natural look spectacular, doesn't it? And I got to be honest with you, sometimes I get ready to speak or get ready, you know, to get in front of people. And I go, God, I just, man, I feel so weak. I feel so, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way, enable, you know, to, to, to communicate what it is that you want communicated. And God said, that's great. You're right where I want you. Because in your weakness is my strength made perfect. Man, isn't that a blessing? Doesn't that take the pressure off of you? Doesn't it? It takes pressure off of me a little bit. So, but this morning, one of the things I wanted to, I felt to talk about was confronting the bully. Confronting the bully. Okay. How many of you were ever teased by a bully in school? Okay. Thanks. Appreciate your honesty. I was when I was in school. And so, you know, here's one of the characteristics of a bully is a bully wants to try and control people. That's one of the characteristics. And I thought about it, you know, the, the enemy, Satan, he's the same way. He wants to try and bully your faith, though. Because I'll tell you this, nothing scares him more than you using your faith. When you begin to stand in faith, when you begin to operate in faith, when you begin to use your faith, he's, he's more scared of that than he is anything else. And so he tries to bully people's faith because he wants to get you out of faith so that he can keep control of the situation. And so far in a lot of people's lives, I've seen, I've seen him do a pretty good job. And I think this is why the Bible says in 1 Timothy that we fight the good fight of faith. How many of you have ever heard that verse? Fight the good fight of faith. So let me ask you, what's a good fight? It's one you win, isn't it? I've never seen anybody get beat up and walk away from the fight and go, man, that was a great fight. I really enjoyed getting, my, getting beat up like that. No, a good fight is the one you win But what's the fight over? The fight is over faith, isn't it? So we fight the good fight. It says to fight the good fight of faith. So that's one that we win. And let me tell you something. If you really believe in something, you'll fight for it, won't you? But a lot of people are not fighting for their faith. But yet in Jude chapter 3, it said contend for the faith. In other words, fight for your faith. How do you fight for your faith? What does that mean? Well, you fight enemies of faith. How many of you know there's enemies of faith? And so I I ask questions a lot during my message. Okay, I'm just making you prepared. It's okay if all of you don't raise your hands. But here's here's one of the biggest enemies that that I wanted to address. There's many, there's, there's other enemies, but one in particular that I felt that I really wanted to talk about this morning, and that's the enemy of doubt. The enemy of doubt. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the enemy of doubt. Because if if Satan can get you to doubt, he can win the fight. If he can get you to doubt what God said, if he can begin to get you to doubt what God's word says, 
then he can win the fight, can he? So here's some things that, that doubt will cause you to do. One is it will, it will cause you to question what God said. Okay, so in a court of law, there's a thing called reasonable doubt. Listen to this definition of reasonable doubt. It's this. It's the standard of proof used in criminal trials. When a criminal uh, defendant is prosecuted, the prosecutor must prove the defendant's guilt beyond reasonable doubt. So the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. He's the prosecutor, right? And so what he's trying to do in your life is he's trying to bring reasonable doubt. You begin to stand in faith for, for something. You, be, you pray over it. And you maybe pray the prayer of faith with your spouse or with another person. And you say, Lord, I'm believing for this. And so you're believing for this to happen. But then all of a sudden, the enemy begins to bring questions to your mind. What's he trying to do? Bring reasonable doubt. Let me give you an example of that. Back, way back in Gen, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. And in verse 1, it says that Satan had come... Uh, there were all these trees, God had put them in the Garden of Eden, all these trees they could eat of. And so here's, we find Eve and Adam standing at the one tree that they can't eat from. All the other trees they can eat from. And here, here they're standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, I, you know, I, my feeling is that, that Satan lured them over there. Because he wants to talk about what they can't have. He doesn't want to talk about what they can have. All the good blessing, that, you know, that's in their life. He wants to focus on the one thing that you can't have. And listen to what he said. This is interesting. So he, Satan, in other words, said to the woman in verse 1, did God really say? So what's he doing? He's bringing doubt automatically to what God said. Because God said, hey, you can have, I'm giving you everything. Everything in this garden you can have. This is the only tree I'm asking you not to eat from. You can't have this one. But you can have everything else. And isn't that what the enemy does? Think about it this way. You know, you have a car. And everything on your car works great, except your windshield wipers. And on a day like today, that'd be annoying, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be going anywhere. You not very fast anyway. You wouldn't be able to see unless you got some rain X or something. So everything works on the car except the windshield wipers. So is that going to annoy you on a day like today? Where's your focus going to be on this car? It's going to be on what's not working. It's not going to, I mean, your door locks work fine. Your engine works fine. Your transmission ships good. Everything else on the car works fine, but what's the emphasis on? It's on what's not working because I need that to work. And that's what the enemy tries to do is he wants to focus. He wants us to throw the whole car away because the windshield wipers don't work. <laughs> I mean, make it that bad, right? So, so that's what he's trying to do here with Eve. And so he tried to, to cause Eve to begin to question what God said in her mind. And here's the deal. When the enemy tries to get you to question God, it's time to begin to question him. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean, you know? You're believing God. Maybe, maybe you have a challenge physically. You've prayed the prayer of faith. You're standing in faith for your healing. You know, and the enemy comes and says, you know, so-and-so had this and they didn't get over it. So-and-so had this and, and it went south. On them, they were in the hospital for this long. And, and, and he begins to try and take you through all the failure stories. Instead of you thinking about the success stories. Well, wait a minute. So-and-so prayed the prayer of faith and they were healed. Wait a minute. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So, man, if I can get my faith on track, then, man, things could be different for me, right? Some of you are on the page. 
It's okay. I'm preaching good though. So, so instead of reasonable doubt, here's what the devil's trying to get you to do. He's trying to give you a reason to doubt. That's his goal, is he wants to give you a reason to doubt. So, so the first thing that, that doubt tries to do is it causes you to question what God said. The second thing it'll do is it'll cause you to question who God is. Remember Jesus came to his disciples and he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And they began to say, you know, one of the prophets, like Elijah, you know, I mean, they, they say you're many of these great men of God, you know, from past. And he said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, didn't he? Okay, so you have a situation in your life. You have a circumstance. You have a challenge. You have an issue in your life. So what's the time the enemy will come to you and say, yeah, you know, I don't think God's helping you in that situation. Wait a minute. Who do you say God is? in your situation, in your circumstance? Is he your healer? Is he your deliverer? Is he your savior? Did he only save you from going to hell? Man, Becca, that was a powerful word. I mean, she, it costs something to be a Christian, doesn't it? Anything worthwhile is going to cost you something. Amen. Amen. Okay, so look at what Satan did. Satan did. I'll just encourage myself. Satan said this, he said, if you are the son of God, then prove it, then do this. Remember, he was, he was being tempted in, in the desert, and Satan took him to these three different places, and he, and he began his conversation with Jesus the same way every time. He said, if you are the son of God. He says the same thing to people now. If, you know, if God really loved you, then he would do this in your life. If he really cared about you, then this would have been answered over here. If he really, what's he trying to do? He wants to get you out of faith I'm telling you your faith scares him more than anything it really does I mean he he'll cause you to question other things question what you believe question the promises that God has made question and question after question after question but here's the deal how do we then stand against doubt how do we keep this bully of doubt from trying to push us around and push our faith around and cause us to waver so that we're like the wave of the sea being tossed one way and other ways. You know what? I'm going to give you a few things. Ways that you stand against the bully, okay? You ready for them? Okay, Nicole's ready for them. What about the rest of you? You guys ready for them? All right. So, number one, remember God's undefeated record. He's undefeated. I remember I was, uh, my, my wife and I got to go to this little place in Arkansas, Green Forest, Arkansas, and we got to do an outreach in a gymnasium there, and in the gymnasium, painted way up on the top of the, uh, of the rafters was the name Aura Lee Boss, and I thought, Aura, man, that's an interesting name, you know, who names their kid Aura, but little did I know, years later, we were hired on staff at a church in Austin, Texas, Victory Church down in Austin, Texas. And when we went down there to work on staff, the pastor's name was Lee Boss. Well, one day I saw him sign his name and he put an O in front of it. And I said, wait a minute, what's your first name? And he said, Aura, but I go by Lee. I thought, yeah, well, I would too. But I thought, man, I said, wait a minute, did you play basketball in Green Forest, Arkansas? And he said, yeah, when I was a high school student, I said, did you win championships? He said, 
yeah. And he just kind of, you know, sheepishly, yeah. You know, and his wife said, are you kidding? He was an all-star. He was the star of that school. And I thought, I saw your name. It was written. You know, and that's what high schools do. What do they do? They, they hang a championship flag. Why? Because every time other people come, other teams come and they play, they want them to look up and see those banners. Okay, wait a minute. We had the victory here. We had the victory here. We had the victory here. We're champions. Okay, we want you to know you came to play champions. You know? Come on, don't make me do a cheer up here. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Never mind. So, come on. <laughs> and, and so, here's the deal. Sometimes you, have, you need to be hanging some flags in your own heart of the victories that God's won for you so that when you get into situations and you hit the, hit the thumb with the hammer, you're not just focusing on your thumb. You're, you're thinking about all the other parts of your body. Well, thank God it wasn't my head. Let me tell you, I don't know if you can see it. I've got a thing on my head right here. And you know what I was doing? I mean, it is a welt, and I feel it <laughs> this morning. But here's what I was doing. I opened a door, and I got out some, uh, I was washing some clothes, so I got some detergent out, and I left the door open. Well, I went to do something in the dryer, and I came back up, and pow, hit the corner. Of the, and let me tell you, Every part of my body came to right here. All the blood came right here. And I was just, I was in so much pain. I mean, it was a bend over, ah, you know. Okay, so anyway, it was bad. I don't have to describe it anymore, right? And, and but you know what? I began to thank God. Lord, thank you that all of my fingers worked, that my toes worked. Thank you that the rest of my body works, that I didn't lose an arm over this. I didn't lose an eye. You know, because you can put the, all the emphasis right here. And when all the emphasis is on what's wrong, it's hard to see what's right in your life. All right. Man, we're going somewhere this morning. I'm feeling it. So think about this. Let me put it in, in Bible terms. The children of Israel, they, they were in Egypt for 400 years, right? They were in slavery. And so then they were delivered. So God brought 10 plagues. I mean, God did amazing things. You guys remember all the frogs, remember all the flies, remember the blood, the, all the rivers and everything turned to blood. You remember all the different plagues. And so God delivers them. And they come out, you know, sometimes they make them seem like they were all crippled and broken down. But there weren't, the Bible says there wasn't one fable among them. Well, that means everybody's in good shape. Everybody can walk and everybody... You know, so they came out of there, and they not only came out healthy, they came out with all the money. I mean, they plundered the Egyptians. The Lord said, hey, ask them for the gold. So they came out in good condition, right? And they make it all the way to the Red Sea. And what happens at the Red Sea? Remember, all of a sudden, now Pharaoh's coming. And his army. And they decided, wait a minute, we let them go. We're going to go after them. And so they go after them. And now they're stuck between the Red Sea. They got Pharaoh's army behind them. And what do they begin to do? They began to cry out. They came to Moses and they said, is it that you wanted us to die here at the Red Sea that you've taken us from Egypt? What's the problem? All they can focus on is what's in front of them. Wait, wait a minute. Aren't you remembering the 10 plagues? Wait a minute. God did this. He did this. He did this. He did this. He did. I keep going through all my fingers, right? I mean, God did all these things. And now you're thinking that he brought you here to die? Wait a minute. 
And so God, so they cried out to Moses. Moses cried out to God, and God said, wait a minute. He said, why are you crying out to me? He said, move forward. Uh, okay. And Moses was like, how do I move forward? I mean, there's a sea in front of me. He said, use the staff in your hand. So notice, he didn't ask Moses to do something he couldn't do. I mean, how many of you could take a staff? I know all of us. We could all take a staff in our hand and point it, right? Or touch the water, whatever God told him to do with it. But whatever it was, I like the, what's that one that he stabs the water and it goes, you know? I kind of like that one. But whatever God told him to do, Moses could do because he believed the word of God. And then what happened? It all parted. And the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. I mean, that's amazing. You know, got all the way across there. So that's, that's a Bible example, okay? So, you know, when new challenges come, here's my point. When new challenges come to your life, don't look at it like, a, like you're a cow at a new gate going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Wait a minute. We need to remember we need to go back and, and look at that banner that's hanging up in the rafters and go, wait a minute, champion, champion, champion. Okay, God's undefeated, guys. That's every year. Boom, 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 boom. All the things that God has done in your life. You know, I, I like to, uh, I, like, I, I keep a journal and I like to write down the things that God does in my life. Why? Because it represents his favor. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I get my focus on what's not working instead of all the things that are working. And, and I, need to, I need to remember, especially when we're standing, believing God. When we moved in here, we needed $17,000 worth of stuff. We didn't have a dime. I mean, we, we came in, we, we were thrust into this church launch. We, did, we didn't have a year to plan it like they tell you in the books you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get everybody together. You're supposed to have planning meetings. You're supposed to organize your teams, you know, right? We were thrown into here. And so we were believing God for everything. And look at what God has done. Look at, we've paid for everything in cash. And that excites me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, don't, I don't take out loans. So anyway, so don't forget God's track record. He's undefeated. So if God's undefeated, that makes you. Man, you are winning. You're, on, you're playing on a winning team, guys. You're playing on a winning team. So. Back in 1997, uh, at the Emmy Awards, um, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, was presented with a um, Lifetime Achievement Award. And he did something that nobody expected uh, when he received that award. And so I wanted to play that video for you and let you see what happened. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. Ten seconds of silence. I'll watch the time.
whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my coworkers in public broadcasting, family communications, and this academy for encouraging me, allowing me all these years to be your neighbor. May God be with you. Thank you very much. Doesn't that bring tears to your eyes? And so, guess what I'm going to do? Because I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, so many of you in here, you're facing different things in your life. You've got something in front of you, and it looks impossible, maybe in the natural. It looks hard to obtain. It looks far away from you. Um, but here's what I want to do. I want to take the focus off, the, off, of, off of that here for a moment. And I'd like you to think of the victories that God has already brought you through, what he has done in your life. You guys ready? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Here you go. Go. Did you think of some things? Probably thought of more than one thing, didn't you? Man, I want to encourage you to journal those things so that you can go back to them. You know, I used to say, I, I, I still will save uh, encouraging emails that people send. I don't keep the, the other emails that people send. But I keep, <laughs> I keep encouraging emails because, you know, sometimes you need a little encouragement, don't you? So, man, wow. It's hard to remember yesterday's victories when you're so focused on today's problems. So remember. Number two, in facing the, the bully of doubt, here's how you overcome, is that you start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. I heard about uh, Will Smith. He has in his house apparently at this one time this person to come over and they saw that he had this whole wall full of story. It was like storyboards. So it, so it had all these little scenes all the way through, hundreds of them, all the, way, all the way down this wall. And the person that was visiting just looked at it and said, man, I, how in the world do you even decipher this? This just looks so confusing to me. And he goes, no, really, it's very easy. Because he was putting the story together for a new movie. And they, and they said, well, what do you mean it's easy? And he said, it's really easy. He said, it's simple. What I do is I start with the end. Where, this is where I want to end up. He said, and then everything else leads to this. He said, it's a lot, it's a lot easier than it is. Well, what about in your own life when you're believing God for something? How many of us start with the end in mind? Lord, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to end up. You know, I, Wayne Gretzky, he, he made a very powerful quote. He made many. Let me tell you, uh, yesterday afternoon as I was reading through some of Wayne Gretzky's quotes, I was in, getting so encouraged. <laughs> I, I saved all of them because <laughs> they were really good. But here's one thing that he said. He said, uh, when talking about, you know, looking at your desired outcome. He said, I skate where the puck is going to be, not where the puck has been. He had such a gift to where he was able, he had developed himself. He, of course, he'd skated since he was three years old. But he had become so good at anticipating where stuff was going to be. And he made sure that he was heading in that direction prior 
to the puck getting there. It was amazing. And one of the things that seemed big to me, may not be to other people, but it was to me, is, you know, every Sunday we set up, uh, usually on Saturday night, they had a wedding yesterday, so we came in early this morning to set everything up. And thank you, team, for whoo, helping us doing, doing the marquee out in the rain. <laughs> Come on, lightning, got a pull. Anyway, um, so, so we, we bring it down the stairs. So, you know, this room is full, so we, have, we go up the stairs. So all of these chairs, all the gear that you see, it's all upstairs because we don't want you to sit in those dainty, pretty little uh, wooden chairs that you would be, uh, you guys would have already left by now, I'm telling you. But anyway, so we bring down the nice chairs and everything. And so, so I had this thought, wait a minute, if we had a trailer, we could just back up and load in right off of the trailer. You know, we have the dollies. And, and we could keep our chairs on the trailer and all we'd have to do is just dolly them right in, set them up. How easy would that be? And then we could use it for, you know, we, we do our different events and our outreaches and things and have a nice trailer. So I began to believe God. I took a, I, I, I printed a copy of the trailer that I wanted and I stuck it to my vision board and I wrote on there because when we had our church in Louisville, Kentucky, we had a little, I don't know if it was a 10 foot, how big it was, maybe an 8 foot trailer it was a small little trailer but it was enclosed and we gave that to a church uh, when God had called us on the road you know to go with the 99 so we had sown that as seed so I wrote down what we paid for that I wrote the trailer name down and I wrote the 60 30 and 100 fold return what that equated to and I said Lord there's plenty of seed in the ground we have more than enough seed for for a new trailer but my focus was on we need a trailer, we need a trailer, we need a trailer, we need a trailer. And I didn't realize what that was doing to my faith. Because now I'm off of what God has done. I mean, once you believe God for something and he brings it in, now your focus is no longer on that. Now your focus is on something else, isn't it? Okay, well, we got that now. So now, you know, so I was focused on this trailer. Anyway, and, and so I'd met a guy that had a trailer and... He was it, was, it belonged to his parents. His parents had passed away. He'd inherited it. And he said he was going to be selling it. And I said, please let me know what, what the price was going to be. So I was kind of waiting. And then he had called me and said, hey, I'd like to meet for coffee. And I thought, oh, glory to God. You know, maybe we'll get a better deal on it. I don't know. And so I was kind of waiting to hear back from him. <clears throat> well, the Lord began to deal with me about the attention that I was just putting on the trailer. That how, how nice the trailer would be and how what a blessing it would be and, and you know believing for the trailer and I would look at my vision board every morning and <clears throat> in my morning routine and, and go well Lord I thank you for our trailer okay so this is what the Lord had spoken to me and I told Nicole I said I don't know if this is a revelation or an epiphany I'm not sure okay so take it for what it is but the natural tendency this is what I wrote down the natural tendency is to focus on needs but when we focus on the vision his provision comes you see what I mean? The, my focus was on the trailer. God's focus is, is, okay, that's just a piece to what I've called you to do, the vision for the church. You see what I mean? And, man, it, it just snapped me out of it. Well, I shared that with you. I don't know what day that was. I shared that with you. And the next day, Tuesday, Wednesday, I get a call from a friend in Tulsa, and he says, hey, I've heard you mention a couple times that you needed a trailer. I said, yeah, I've been believing for one. He said, well, hey, um, I have one. 
And uh, I want to bless you with it. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, honestly, I teared up because I was thinking about this. Wait a minute. My, my mind was on the wrong thing. My mind was on the need, on the need, on the need, on the need. And God was saying, wait a minute. I put it on the vision because here's the deal. What you put your focus on becomes bigger. I heard this story. I, I don't know who it was. I think it was John Mason in Tulsa. Yeah, it was. He, he shared this. Yeah, I'd never heard this concept before, but he called it the bump, the lump, the stump concept. <laughs> he, that's where, you know, for instance, you see something on your hand. Like, I got a little mark on my hand here. Okay, oh, wait a minute. That's new. Ever, ever hear Robin? Anyway, never mind. Uh, so, so you look at it and you go, oh, wait a minute. There's a, there's a little bump there. Uh, and so you play with the bump and your focus is on the bump. And wait a minute, man, that's getting bigger. You know, next couple days, you know, it's a little bigger and you go, wait a minute, now it's a lump, you know, and in your mind, next thing you see, am I going to have to have my hand amputated? I mean, I need to go find out what this is. So in your mind, you've gone from a bump, lump. So, okay, okay. You see what I mean by that, right? So here's my, here's my point. Ask yourself, what is my destination? Where do I want to arrive? Where do I want to go in my faith? Okay? Begin with the end in mind. And but keep your, keep your eyes on the vision. You know, you remember Moses, he sent out the 12 spies into the promised land. And he told them, hey, see what the land looks like. See what the people look like. And bring back a report. Well, they came back and 10 of them said, you know, we can't take it. No, we can't. Uh-uh. We are not able. Well, Moses didn't tell them to come back and tell them what they could or couldn't do. He told them to give them a report of the land. And so Joshua and Caleb came back and said, wait a minute. They, they shut them down and they said, no, no, no. It's a very exceedingly good land. And we are well able. What was the problem? The ten spies, their focus was on the challenge, the giant, the opportunity, the obstacle, I should say. Right? Joshua and Caleb's mind, their vision was on what God had said. So what has God said in your situation? What has he said in your situation? So number three, in dealing with the, the bully of doubt, see every obstacle as an opportunity. In Joshua chapter 6, I want to read this to you. This is really interesting. Um, the, so the children of Israel, this is long after the spies, because you remember after that happened with Moses, it was 40 years before they finally got to go into the promised land. So now they've come across, and now they are in the promised land, and they are ready to take the first city. And the Lord says, okay, Jericho is the first city. And look at what he says in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 1 to you. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given you Jer Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. Okay, wait a minute. The city is fortified. It's all shut up. It's all enclosed. What do you mean you've given me the city? But you might be looking at the thing that you're believing for, and it may look like it's fortified, like it's enclosed, shut up, you know? And, and you may be looking at that going, okay, wait a minute, what do you mean you've given this to me? It doesn't look like you've given it to me, all right? It had a king, it had mighty men, it had, it's under other rulership. But then God gives them the plan. It says in verse 3, he says, You shall go around the city, all you and the men of war, 
and you shall go around the city once, and this you'll do six days. How freaky would this be for the people of Jericho? Could you imagine? I mean, you're up on, up on the wall looking down, and, you're, and this army is circling you. They're not building a siege against you. They're just walking around you once a day. I, that's freaky to me. So anyway, creepy, a little creepy. So verse 4, it says, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of the ram's horn uh, before the ark, and on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet, and it shall come to pass that uh, when they make the long blast in the ram's horn, uh, and when, when you hear the sound and the trumpet, that the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, and the men straight up before him. So, here's the deal. Dreams often look like Jericho. They often look impossible. But God has a plan. What you're believing for may seem impossible on the outside. But God has the plan. He has the direction. You know, sometimes we try to figure it out ourselves. And the second city was AI. They tried to do that one with their idea. And what happened was they, the men of AI came out and defeated them. So it's important to get God's plan, isn't it? But if you focus on the obstacle, you'll never possess the promise, will you? Hmm. Set your focus on the promise. But some people, they, they have a fear of failure. Uh, I, I really like John Maxwell. I read a lot of his stuff. And a book that he wrote is called uh, Fail, Failing Forward. <laughs> Failing Forward. Because here's the matter of fact, is that you will fail. You will fail. I mean, you're going you're gonna to fail. Why not fail forward? Meaning, you learn from that failure. I, I know all of you in here, I know including myself, so mistakes that you've made, you haven't made them since, have you? It's like that card game, 52-card pickup. How many of you have ever played the card game, 52-card pickup? <laughs> All of you are rolling your eyes right now, aren't you? Why? Because my uncle did this to me. He goes, Phil, come here. You want to play 52-card pickup? Yeah, I'm eight years old. Yeah, I want to play 52-card pickup. Okay. He takes the deck of 52 cards, and he goes, and they go shooting everywhere. And he goes, okay, pick them up. Okay. I never played that game again. And you should never play that game again. But let me tell you, Mistakes that you make, you don't go back and make them again. Why? Because you learn from the mistakes. One of the best uh, three-point shooters in NBA history was Steve Kerr. And he played for the Chicago Bulls. And interestingly, he now coaches the Warriors. And he's got some great three-point three shooters on the Warriors, doesn't he? Ironic, isn't it? And so uh, on that team... I saw him in an interview, uh, this was just before game six uh, of the finals that were just recently on, and he was in this interview, and they asked him in the interview, hey, um, how, do you, how do you talk to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, how do you encourage them to take the kind of shots that they do in these high-pressure games? And Steve Kerr said, he said, you know, he said, here's what you've got to get over when you're, when you're a shooter in the NBA. You've got to get over the fear of missing. He said, because here's the truth. He said, you'll hit every three-pointer in a row in pregame warm-up. He said, but when you get in a high-pressure game, you're going to make about 
And so he, he said, that's what I tell my guys is get over the fear of missing the bucket. Take the shot. Take the shot. If you get an open look, take the shot. And I'm telling you, we've got to get over the fear of failing in our faith. Have you failed in your faith? Yeah. Have already. But I've learned from it. I've learned what not to do now. This time, God is teaching me on a daily basis. I'm learning all the time. I'm not where I want to be in my faith. But let me tell you, I'm a lot farther than I used to be. And I can look back now and go, man, God, look at all the things that you've done. Look at the miracles that we've experienced. Look at, look at the way you've healed people. Look at the salvations. We've had 23 salvations since we started uh, Vision Church. People that have given their lives to the Lord. 23. Man, I, I, I saw a uh, ministry that did this huge event, and they had over 3,500 people come. They had two salvations. I thought, glory to God, we, we've had more salvations than the big, big, I mean, look at what God is doing. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not bragging, okay? Don't, don't mean to sound like that. I'm boasting in the Lord. So, another quote by Wayne Gretzky. Uh, he had so many, but I wanted to read this one to you. Only one thing is ever guaranteed, that is that you will definitely not achieve the goal if you don't take the shot. And then he said this other uh, quote in conjunction with that. He said, you miss... I don't know how to get rid of this. Oh, there it is. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. What if I miss? And what if you don't? Come on, guys. How many of you guys, before you met your wife, you know, you were... Like, wait a minute. I, I can take a shot. I... I want to introduce some people to you that are here this morning that I, I'm excited to get to introduce you. I don't want to embarrass them, but these are Nicole's sisters that have come. Uh, Camwin, De, Camwin Day uh, from, please stand. Come on, we want at least. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'll introduce her sister in a minute, but Camwin, Camwin is probably rolling her eyes right now at me because she's partly responsible why I'm married to this woman here. Yeah, her and her husband, Whitney, and uh, they live in Las Vegas. And then I want to introduce to you Courtney Ness. Uh, her and her husband, uh, Kevin, they live in Memphis. And so they're over visiting. And so we're happy to have them. And let me tell you, I, I took a shot with Nicole. I didn't know if she'd like me. But I was willing to take the shot. <laughs> and let me tell you, it was not easy. Yeah, and score. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So, number four, and last one. I'm going to ask the keyboard player to go ahead and come on. Miss Rebecca, appreciate you. Number four is hang on. Breakthrough is coming. Hang on. Breakthrough is coming. I want to read a story to you that just really impacted me. Um, <clears throat> and I'll just read it to you, and, and we're going to put some pictures up uh, to kind of help the story so you can watch the screen. But it says this, before advances in technology were made, breaking a sound barrier seemed an impossible task. Going from transonic speed to supersonic speed was unheard of in the early 1900s. By the 1940s, many engineers were still saying it couldn't be done, that there was a limit to how high man could fly and the sound barrier was not meant to be crossed. But some engineers did believe and worked to prove themselves right. 
The sound barrier was broken by Major General Chuck Yeager. Before his flight, at least two other pilots had attempted and ended up dying in their attempt. Why? Because right before you hit the sound barrier, uh, the plane would begin to shake violently. And this was where the pilots made their fatal mistakes. They tried to slow down, and in doing so, lost control, and the planes crashed. When Jaeger <clears throat> went up, the same thing happened. The plane began to violently shake as he approached the transition point, about 717 miles per hour. And while his first instinct was to let up, slow down, turn around, or give up, instead, he decided to push harder, go faster, and continue full steam ahead. Then it happened. The famous sonic boom was heard on the ground. He had done it. He had crossed over the barrier. And what he felt immediately after he crossed over the barrier was smooth sailing. Some of the accounts that I read uh, talked about how the plane shook so violently that glass began to break. The little, you know, instruments, instrument panel, the glass began to break. Here's my point in telling this story. You've been standing in faith for something. You've been believing God for a long time. And you feel like Chuck Yeager. You're in that plane. And things are beginning to shake in your life. They don't seem like they're getting better. They seem like they're getting worse. And you wonder, should I let up? Should I slow down? Should I give up? Should I give in to the pressure? But God wants to encourage you this morning to push your faith faster. Confront the bully in your life. The doubt that's trying to get you to disbelieve and push it harder and harder because when you break through and it'll break through will come smooth sailing on the other side isn't that amazing you break that sound barrier and all of a sudden oh, peace in your life but you'll never experience that breakthrough if you give up if you quit and you shouldn't quit I mean you're playing for a winning team you're orally boss, man. You've got, you've got that championship flag every year hanging in your gymnasium. You've got a trophy case that looks amazing that tells of God's goodness in your life. And so I would venture to say this morning that many of you are believing for some things. And you've been tempted to doubt. You've been tempted to give up. You've been tempted to quit. But it's not time to quit. It's time to believe more. It's time to press in more. It's time to, to resolve in your mind and in your spirit. Wait a minute. No, I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I don't care how far gone it, it seems to be. I choose to believe 
what God said. I choose to take his word at face value. I'm not basing it on this pastor who died. I'm not basing it on this situation over here that, that, that they wound up getting a divorce. I'm not basing it on this company that went belly up. I'm not basing it on you know people having to file bankruptcy. I'm not basing it on anything except I'm stripping it down to just what God said. I've shared this story many, many times, but I want to end with this. Dodie Osteen, when she was sent home basically to die, she was given three weeks to live. She had metastatic cancer of the liver and they didn't know what to, I mean, the doctor didn't know what to do. He sent her home. He, he said, we've done all that we can do. He said, and John, her husband, took her home. They laid down on the carpet in their bedroom and they joined hands and they prayed the prayer of faith together. And then she had amazing people back then, uh, prophets and, and men and women of God that called, Oral Roberts and Evelyn called, uh, T.L. and Daisy Osborne, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. I mean, all these people that are full of faith and they called and they prayed for Dodie. And she had a revelation that was pretty interesting. I, re- I read her book, and I'd be happy to give you a free copy. It's called Healed of Cancer. And we keep a stack of them because we always like to be able to give them out to people. But she made this statement in her book as she recounted what happened. She said, <clears throat> she said, I remember when I was praying one night, and I was really... Uh, uh, looking to hear the voice of God to, you know I was praying and asking God to speak to my heart he said, and, the, and she said the Holy Spirit spoke to her heart he said it's not going to be the faith of Oral Roberts that heals you this is an interesting statement it's not going to be the faith of, of Evelyn, of Teal or Daisy of Kenneth and Gloria or it's not even going to be the faith of your husband John that heals you it's going to be your faith And when she made that statement, I went, wow, how many times did Jesus say, according to your faith? Not according to what happened to them, not according to their experience, not according to what it looks like in the natural, not according to anything else. Let's strip it down. What about according to your faith? What are you believing today? Because I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to say, hey, stay in the plane. Keep the thruster wide open. Don't pull back. Don't slow down. Don't allow the enemy to shipwreck your faith. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.